The other day, I sent out an email to the class and I asked, how are you doing? And a lot of you wrote back, I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed. And that's understandable because all of a sudden you're in college and the classes here might be much more challenging than what you've had before. Or if you've been out of school for a while, it can be hard to get back in. So what I'm going to focus on today is how do we learn? And let me start by asking you a question. I mean, how many of you play sports, football, baseball, basketball, do martial arts? I'm personally, I'm a weightlifter. I've been working out since 1989. How many of you play instruments, a guitar, a piano? How about a brass instrument? Okay, for those of you that play sports or are actually on a sports team, how often do you practice? Yeah, you probably practice one hour, two hours a day. If you're in a band or you just like playing an instrument, how often do you practice to either maintain a certain skill level or to get better or to like learn a new song? You know, to do sports, to play music, to sing, to do many different things, it takes practice. Guess what? Learning is the same way. It takes practice. And like playing a sport, you have to do it every day. So if you want to train your brain, just like you would train your body, we do it by studying. And that's important. So when we say, hey, you should study every day, well, you know, if you're going to practice sports for two hours a day, you should probably be spending about that amount of time studying if you can. And I know that a lot of us have all kinds of things going on in our lives, but you've got to find time to study regularly and consistently. And the reason why you have to study every day is because your brain is much like your muscles. When I'm weightlifting, I'm lifting three, four times a week. I'm back down about three times a week up until the coronavirus. Studying should be the same way. Here's another way to think about this. Uh, Imagine you've spent the entire summer binge watching Star Wars movies and other shows on Netflix. And then all of a sudden, you're told to get up and go run a marathon. Are you going to be able to do it? Are you going to be able to run a mile? Not very easily. So to run a mile, you might get up and start walking a little bit, then a slow jog, and then you can run a mile, and then you can run two miles, and then you train, and you can eventually run a marathon. Even Oprah Winfrey trained to run a marathon. Most people can do this. Now let's take this to learning. You want to do well in your classes. You want to rock your test. You have to train your brain. And you have to study every day. So how do we do this? How do we study every day effectively and not wasting our time? So let's talk about learning. And how do we study? And how do we study effectively to do well in a class like biology for health-related sciences? Now, the first thing I want to talk about are the different levels of learning. Now, this is important because these different levels have different levels of difficulty. And at the first level of learning is memorization. You can memorize words. You can memorize phrases. You can memorize definitions. You might memorize a diagram. For example, later in the semester, we're going to learn about my favorite organelle, the mitochondria. Now, those of you that have had some biology, you'll immediately think powerhouse of the cell. All right, well, you've memorized powerhouse of the cell. We can also memorize all kinds of things. You can memorize a definition for evolution. 
Species change over time. Okay, you've memorized that. Learning begins with memorization. So as you go through the book and you're studying each chapter, if there's words you don't know, start by looking up their definition. So memorization is a foundation of where we begin to learn. And notice I said begin to learn. It reminds me of the karate kid, right? Where he goes, I want to learn karate. And Mr. Miyogi goes, goes, okay, go wax my car. Do it with this motion. And then the next day the kid comes back and he goes, now paint my fence. And the kid's getting, the karate kid's getting really upset. Like, I'm not learning anything. And Mr. Miyogi throws a punch and he immediately blocks it. He had memorized a move. Just like when I say mitochondria, most people think powerhouse of the cell. Okay, that's a type of learning. So for this semester, when you come across a word you don't know, go look it up. There's lots of resources. The Wikipedia is a great resource to go look words up. The next level of learning is understanding. And going from memorization to understanding that is a leap. And that's what makes a lot of classes hard. That's what makes this class hard is that I'm not requiring you just to go memorize a bunch of words, regurgitate them on a test. You actually have to understand what those words mean. So for example, if I ask you, well, why is the mitochondria the powerhouse of the cell? You might say it makes lots of ATP. That's a correct answer but it's a little bit lacking. Do you understand that ATP is the energy currency of life? Do you know how ATP stores lots of energy? Do you know how mitochondria make lots of ATP? The answer is chemiosmosis. Another word you probably don't know, but don't worry, we'll get to that. We will definitely learn all about chemiosmosis this semester. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. It's the secret to life. So that's a big deal, right? Going from I memorized a word, I memorized a phrase, to actually understanding what those words mean. Or if I say, hey, draw and label a mitochondria, and you draw an outer membrane, and you draw an inner membrane with lots of folds, do you understand why the mitochondria requires two membranes and why the mitochondria's inner membrane is heavily folded? Well, it has to do with increased surface area to make more ATP. So that's getting at understanding. Next is application. Can you apply what you know to a new situation? Let me give you another example here. Let's say all eukaryotic cells have mitochondria. And I say, you know, plants have eukaryotic cells just like animals do. And animals use mitochondria to do cellular respiration which means they use oxygen and produce CO2. But I tell you, plants are eukaryotic cells. Do they do cellular respiration and have mitochondria? The answer is yes, they do. It's just that during the day, they produce more oxygen through photosynthesis than they use through cellular respiration. But at night, those plants are putting out carbon dioxide, just to let you know. The fourth level of learning is evaluation. An evaluation is something you're going to be doing with the science and digital literacy assignments. You're going to look at these two different websites and you're going to determine which one of those has correct information and which one is all wrong. That is evaluation. 
And evaluation relies on foundational knowledge. Do you know what they're talking about? Do you understand what they're talking about? And you may not have seen that exact example, but if you can apply it to a new situation, then that's good. And then if you can evaluate this new situation, that's the fourth level. And the fifth level is can you take your foundational knowledge, your understanding of the foundational knowledge, can you apply it to a new situation, evaluate it, and then can you create something new? So the very top is creativity. But it's hard to be creative if you don't know anything, right? So learning begins with memorization. Now, this class is a science class. Science is not about memorizing facts. Science is a process of understanding the world around us. Now, the reason why we memorize a lot in a science class is because there's a lot to know. There's a lot of foundational knowledge you need to have before you can start to understand the world around you. And also having a large foundational knowledge that you understand when you make new observations, guess what? You've got a library of knowledge that you can apply to that new observation or that new phenomena or whatever it is you're doing and figure it out. So those are the different levels of learning. Now the next question is, well, how do you learn? Okay, so now we know we've got memorization, understanding, application, evaluation, and at the pinnacle is creativity. So how do we learn? And how would you best learn for a class like this? One more thing that I'd like to do is break learners down into either novice learners or expert learners. Now here's the difference. A novice learner, think of little baby birds and they're sitting in the nest and the mom comes up to the nest and they just hold their mouths open and they're saying, feed me, feed me, feed me. A novice learner does not know how to learn. They're the student that says, what do I need to know for the test? Just tell me what I need to know for the test. And what they're looking for is a bunch of definitions that they can regurgitate, that they can just memorize and write them back down on that test. That's a novice learner. They really don't know how to learn. And the problem with being a novice learner is you're dependent on the teacher telling you exactly what you need to know. Well, what if they give you a different example? You haven't learned anything. You just memorize some very specific words and examples, but you can't think out of the box. So the novice learner, like I said, they don't know how to learn. They want to be spoon-fed all the information, and that's about it. Another important aspect of a novice learner is they are often unaware of what they don't know, or meaning they don't know what they don't know. So a problem with a novice learner is they often think they know more than they do and are unaware of what else is out there. And in fact, in psychology, it's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. You're unaware of your own lack of knowledge. Now let's think about the other type of learner. These are expert learners. Expert learners know how to learn. So when they come across a difficult subject, a difficult problem, they know what it takes to learn the material. They say, okay, I've got to do X, Y, and Z to learn this material. And they go do it. They can learn on their own. And in contrast to the novice learner, expert learners are often quite aware of what they don't know. And because they're aware of what they don't know, 
they go try to fill in those knowledge gaps. So interestingly, if you were to go survey students after a test and ask them how they did, often a student that's an expert learner is going to underestimate their scores. They're going to be aware of what they didn't know. And in contrast, a novice learner who isn't aware of what they don't know will overestimate their grade. So you can imagine their shock when they're like, yeah, yeah, I got a, I got a B or an A or a C and they fail. And they're like, well, why did I fail? The answer is they were unaware of what they didn't know. We're finally getting to how we learn. And there are a couple of different ways. One way is passive learning. Now, passive learning is not a total waste of time. Passive learning is coming to class and listening to a lecture. Passive learning is watching a YouTube video. Or for me, I'll watch a nature documentary. That is passive learning. You're just kind of listening to what's going on, trying to remember a few things. Now, the problem with passive learning is you're going to remember between 1% and 10% of what you saw. Okay, so if you go watch a bunch of YouTube videos, you'll remember some of it, but not a lot. The other type of learning is a learn by doing. When you learn by doing, this is active learning. You can watch a football game all you want, but until you actually go down there and play a football game, you're not ever going to be good at the sport. The same goes for playing music. I mean, you can watch David Gilmore of Pink Floyd, one of my favorite guitarists of all time, or James Hetfield, my other favorite guitarist of all time from Metallica. You can watch those guys play guitar all day long. But until you actually go and pick up a guitar and start learning chords, you'll never learn to play the guitar from watching somebody else do it. You have to learn how to do it yourself. So how do we construct our own knowledge? Well, the first step is trying to move from a novice learner to an expert learner. And in the reading I have for this class, you'll notice at the end of each section, I don't have a list of vocabulary words for you to memorize. And the reason why is I want you to go through those sections and pick out the words that you don't know. Now we're starting to become a little self-aware. It's called metacognition. It's trying to figure out what you don't know. That's that expert learner. They're good at this thing called metacognition. You go pick out the words that you don't know what they are. And then you can try to figure out their definition from the book. Hey, the book, you know, it might not have the best definition that you understand. That's okay. You might have to watch a YouTube video. You might have to listen to a podcast. You might have to go to the Wikipedia. I know, I said Wikipedia. It is perfectly fine to use the Wikipedia. It is not as inaccurate as you've been told your whole life. It is a great and fantastic resource. Use it. Just know its place. It can be flawed, just like anything else can be flawed. But as you transition from a novice learner to an expert learner, you're constructing your own knowledge. You're picking out the words that you don't understand and you're looking them up and trying to figure out what those words mean. Like uniformitarianism. I doubt most of you have ever heard of that word. But in science, it's an incredibly important principle. It just means that the laws of science are the same everywhere in the universe, in the past, the present, and the future. And it's because of uniformitarianism that we're able to reconstruct past climates, understand past ecosystems, understand the origins of our solar system, 
and the universe itself. Okay. Also in the book, right below where it says, pick out all of the words you don't understand. That's part of the metacognition and building your foundational knowledge. It starts to ask you, what are the most important points of that section? Now, in most of our classes, we have all these learning objectives that tell you exactly what you're supposed to get out of that lesson. And I have those listed at the front of the chapter. But when you read a section, what were the most important points? It could be a single point. It could be multiple points. Some of my sections are long. Some of them are short. But by going through the section and trying to figure out the most important points, you are moving from memorization to understanding. This is how we start to understand the material in the book. What is it trying to tell you? So by doing those two things, pulling out the words that you don't understand and defining them, and then trying to write down the most important points of each section, now you're going from passive learning, which is just reading the section, to actually doing active learning, and you're building your own knowledge. Now, also in the instructional materials, I have practice questions. They're not required. Go do them. Those practice questions, I ask a whole bunch of different questions about the chapter, and they are also based on foundational knowledge. They are based on understanding and application. So much like a sport or an instrument that you've got to play almost daily to get good at, well, you need to study your classes and this class almost daily if you can. You know, you don't have to try to study the entire chapter. I've gotten a few of you have said, I'm overwhelmed. There's so much material in this first chapter. Well, you know what? There's seven days in a, in a week. If you were to study one section a day, study the section on facts, laws, and theories. You study that today. Get it down. Understand it. Make sure you memorize the differences between them. Make sure you understand the differences between them. And then can you apply it? So if I talk about the laws of thermodynamics, well, why are they called the laws and not the theories of thermodynamics? That is application. And as you're doing so, as you study one section at a time, make sure you know it. Another technique you can use to learn the material is this. When you read a section, close it, write down everything you can remember. Now you're taking your short-term memory and you're converting it to long-term memory. And it also helps with that metacognition. Because if you just read the section on facts, laws, and theories, and you're trying to remember the definition of a fact, a law, and a theory, and you can't, you have to go look it back up, then you become aware of what you don't know. Once again, we are transitioning from a novice learner to an expert learner, and you are doing this actively. Watching YouTube videos is also great. I watch YouTube videos all the time. I watch TV whenever I get a chance to wind down. I love Netflix. I like to binge watch shows. I think I binge watched all of the magicians here recently. I already forgot all the characters' names. Huh. Wow. Four seasons or however many seasons and I can't remember their names. After watching how many episodes? The reason why is because it was passive. I didn't talk about it. I didn't write their names down. I didn't write down plot lines. Learning by YouTube videos is nice. We've all done it. Or if you haven't, then you'll realize that YouTube is an incredible source of information out there for just about everything. And you can go watch Khan Academy, Crash Course, 
those guys are great. However, if you just listen to it and that's it, you're not gonna retain a whole lot. That's passive learning. So at the end of the video, what you need to do is write down everything you can remember about that video. Once again, this helps you organize your thoughts and commit them to long-term memory. And you can also take notes while you're listening to a video or a podcast like this one, but it's also important to afterwards follow up with trying to extract as much as you can from your memory. That is some of the best techniques I can tell you. Learn by doing. And then one other way that humans learn well. We also learn socially. That makes sense, right? We're social animals. So we learn in small groups. Now, that being said, you don't want to have somebody just dictate to you all the answers. But if you're having trouble finding the answers to stuff, it's good to go find someone else in the class or someone else who knows this material and learn it together. And although we can't really do that as easily this semester, it's a great technique that you can use once we return to normal. And I'm hoping we return to normal soon enough. Well, that's about it. Let me just summarize really quickly what we've learned here today. To learn well, we need to do it on a regular basis, just like practicing for a sport. Our brains are like our muscles. The more we practice, the more we learn, the better we get. You want to become an expert learner, and you do that by active learning. You construct your own knowledge. And remember, one of the hardest lessons is that Understanding is different from memorizing. Every semester I have students say, you know, I, I really understand the material, but I don't do well on your test. And it's hard for me to tell them like, hey, you, you really don't understand the material. You know some words. And every time I ask them just a couple simple questions, it's quite clear. They actually don't know the material very well. They don't understand it. They've just become familiar with their notes or familiar with the book, and that's it. One more thing here, A, B, C students. What does that mean? A C student is good at memorizing. They will memorize the definitions and can give it back to you. The B students not only memorize the words, but they also understand it as well. And they might be very familiar with what's in the book, what's in the podcast, what's in the YouTube videos for this class. But the real difference between an A and a B student, A students are the real go-getters. They are expert learners. They have memorized all the vocabulary, all the words in the textbook. They know what those words mean. They understand it. They can apply it to novel situations. And an expert learner, an A student, is going to seek out additional information. They're going to go to the Wikipedia. If they don't understand something, they're going to go to Khan Academy, Crash Course. There is so much material online, not to mention we have CAPS here at UNM. We have all kinds of ways to help out. But the expert learner is going to go figure stuff out and they're going to go look other stuff up. So, you know, with a textbook, I can't possibly put everything there is to know in a single textbook. But an A student? To really fill in all the gaps in their knowledge, they're going to go look up additional information from other sources. And that is really, really important. Okay, well, that's all I have to say on this. 